Hey everyone, this week on What Makes the Cut, we're tackling Imperium and Jungle, two Daniel Radcliffe movies. Let's get into it. gentlemen boys and girls welcome 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 to another amazing podcast today i'm here joined by my wonderful guest ryan how are you today ryan <laughs> guest i'm a fucking co-host minimum motherfucker minimum no, no minimum. You're, you're, you're the primary co-host oh the, yeah okay i am the back uh, but yes welcome welcome back again to podcast um uh today we are talking about imperium and jungle i'm a what you're, You're an actor, Harry. Oh, it's we'll so let that good. go, man. Oh, All right, Josh. Give me the synopsis for Jungle. I start with Jungle? All right. Firstly, amazing movie. But Jungle is about... Yossi gets captivated by a mysterious guide's stories and plans to follow him into the Amazon jungle with his friends. Their journey turns into an ordeal as the jungle is not an easy place to be in. It's based on a true story and a book by Yossi Ginsberg, which is called Lost in the Jungle. I think I'm definitely going to read this book. After watching I, this movie, yeah. I, definitely want to, I definitely want to read this book. Yes. Um, I'm a big fan of books based on movies based on books. Um, they're like my only literature. And I'm yeah, sorry. This, books based on movies based on books. Yeah. Explain that thought process to me. It's the book that tells the story of the movie, and the movie is based on a book. So the book is about the movie, but the movie is an adaptation of a book. So it's not the same story. Ah, see? See? I got you. I got you. Ah. Isn't that just a movie based on a book, mate? No, it's different. Okay? It's different. I'll believe you. But I'll yeah, let you have this one. I can very see. Very good movie. Yes. Um, I want to start off by talking about the kind of infighting and the distrust that Yossi and Kevin have towards Marcus. Yeah, Yeah. I had to think about that for two seconds. Kevin, um, distrust bred with Marcus in like the first, it's, it's it's in like the first couple of days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's maybe, yeah, maybe about first four days they start to distrust him and whatnot because he gets um, a bit too close to the guide. Like, Yossi was like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go, and he pressured them. But then Kevin and Yossi themselves started to be like, all right, yeah, nah, you know, Marcus is getting a bit too close to the guide. Oh. And, yeah, Carl, that's his name. Yeah, And, Carl. yeah, plus uh, Marcus's feet were slowing them down because um, they were blistered and all torn up and whatnot. So, yeah, they, yeah, just didn't trust him. At least um, stopped I trusting actually, him. Yeah, I um, I ended up throughout the week watching some TED Talks and interviews that the actual Yossi Ginsberg does. Yeah. Um, he, he's kind of made a living off talking about this experience. This movie does not show half of the crap that happened really? to this man. Yeah, so this foot fungus that was affecting Marcus and later in the movie Yossi, um, he was talking about how it's 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 not contagious, but it spreads rapidly. 
So uh, not only was Marcus's feet affected by this, his legs and his hands were as well. And they did not show that. No, this is very tame compared to the way the real Yossi explains this experience. Um, but he was saying once once it got on his hands, he couldn't walk because swinging his hands, the the air rushing past his hands would cause him pain. Fuck. Um, this movie had me tense, not from the start, but pretty much the moment they left that little village they find that they go into. Oh, yeah, uh, when they first set off into the jungle. Yeah, and they go to that first village, they play around and whatnot for a day or two, and then they leave. After then, I was on the edge of my... I was tense the entire time. Absolutely. I had no idea what was going to happen, and then as the movie um, progressed and went on, I just got more and more tense. And then uh, when Yossi gets lost in the jungle, I was more and more tense. I started to feel sick. I was so tense. And then right at the end, when... Um, like, Yossi is, um, a Jewish man. He, um, one of the main plot points in the movie that I would like to talk about is a little booklet he got from his uncle. Mm. And he explains to, I believe, Kevin and Marcus that that's the only thing he's going to take with him. Um, because it was a gift from his uncle and his uncle said that it will protect him. And his uncle and his father... Um, survived the camps and whatnot during World War II. And then he believes that it will protect him because um, two days after receiving it from his uncle, his uncle passed away. So he takes it with him. And the strong message I got is whether or not you believe or not, but faith in something, whether it's faith in you know, your friends, faith in you know, a higher power, faith, as long as you have that, you can keep moving on. And I felt like for a long time uh, when he was on his own, that's what was pushing him um, forward. Yep. And those um, uh, hallucinations and stuff he was having was his brain keeping him going. Yep. Um, that's, ex- just- that's exactly what the real Yossi talks about. Um, one, of, one of the interviews is the part where he hallucinates the tribal woman. Yeah, yeah. So the way he explains it is... He starts the starts it by talking about pain. Mm-hmm. It was the most intense pain that he's ever felt. Um, he the the way he talks about it is he is a, more enlightened by this experience, and unfortunately, the enlightenment he got he could only have gotten from the amount of pain he suffered. It, I think a quote is, it's not the pain that causes you to want to end your life. It's the voice inside your head telling you you can't handle this pain. Pain is pain. You can't escape pain. Yeah. Pain is pain. You, you, You can't escape pain. But what you need to focus on is silencing the voice in your head telling you you can't handle it. Uh, the night before he hallucinates that tribal woman, he's ready to end his life. He lays down, he can't move, he doesn't want to move. He's just going to die. Um, he passes out, and when he wakes up, he sees this tribal woman, and it's like a rush of 
I want to say like adrenaline, but a, a rush of survival. He now has someone else he needs to take care of. It's not yeah. him anymore. And they he show that just... in the movie. He, yeah, absolutely. He, he forgets about his own well-being and he's like, I will protect you. I will protect you. It's okay. I will protect you. Yeah. And he's and constantly he, putting her first. And he has no idea who the fuck this person is, especially a hallucinator. It's just wow, that's another person. Powerful. Yeah, he, t- he talks about how when he was scavenging, he wasn't he was making two meals every night. He was making sure he got enough leaves to make a bed for two. And he, his whole, his whole time he spent hallucinating that woman, he only focused on her survival. And apparently that's what got him through those couple of days. It is fucking insane listening to this man talk. It's a very, very powerful movie. Um, but one scene that made me... So like I said, I was tense throughout the whole thing. One scene that made me go, holy fuck, was, like I said, he held on to his um, beliefs and whatnot. And, you know, he, as you said, he fought that um, voice in his head that told him to give up. He fought that in uh, the entire time. And when, sorry, I forgot his name again, Kevin, um, eventually. Kevin's the American dude. Yeah. Sorry. I, 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 we have the cast here and I was about to. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, when Kevin, you know, convinces a guy, he's like, I will pay you for your boat um, to help me go find my friend. The guy's like, yeah, all right, cool, whatever. Let's go. And they're on the same beach as Yossi. And yeah. Kevin's screaming out for him. And doesn't find him. Gets on the boat mm. and they go on their merry way. And they, they, they're like, damn, he's gone. He's sad. Yossi comes up from uh, behind a tree root. And he is like, is the right word emaciated? He's skinny. He has absolutely. Yeah, I would say because this, this is over the course of 15 days. I think he was in there. 15 fucking days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two weeks. Yeah, he he was, he was just skin and bone. Which, don't get me wrong, Daniel Radcliffe, like, did a very, I think he did a um, fucking, the same thing that one of the Batmans does, um, Christian Bale. I think he uh, went a bit too far uh, with the body change. Um, I was a little concerned. uh, Absolutely. He was so thin, and that really, to me, sent a powerful message on how long he'd been in there for and how much he had suffered. Um, and then he has no energy to talk, and you can hear him. He's saying, Kevin, Kevin. And then with the last bit of his strength, he you know yells Kevin as loud as he can, and it's not that, it's no way in hell is it loud enough for Kevin to hear him over the boat's engine. Kevin just yeah. gives a slight glance to the left, and then you just... Alex Russells did an amazing job playing the excitement and the happiness of finding his friend. He just, like, he gets up, he's like, turn, there he is, go, go, go. That right there was, to me, so fucking powerful. That made me so happy. Because I, I didn't know how it was going to end. The entire movie, I had no... I thought, in my head, okay, I have this bad habit of I watch a movie and I go, I bet I know what's going to happen next. Oh, yeah, I, I get I can that too. It. Okay. Movies follow a fucking routine. This, because it's based on a true story, does not. I thought 
you know, someone was telling, I didn't know it was a true story until you mentioned it. Oh no, right at the end. And then we were talking about it and you're like, yeah, hmm. I was like, cheers for that. <laughs> um, it just, oh, knowing it was a true story at the end, all those um, emotions that I pushed down, you know, saying to myself, this didn't happen. There's no way this happened. This is not a true story. All those mm. emotions just came out, and I was, one, so happy the guy survived, two, so happy he was fucking found, and three, absolutely amazed at the things he went through. This is a true fucking survival story. I absolutely, absolutely. love the movie. Absolutely. All right, we're, we're getting a little bit of out of hand. We're going... We just jumped all the way through the movie. Let's Let's try and take it a little step-by-step step to understand why... Yossi would have done the things he did. So this is in the 80s, right? This movie uh, takes place in the 80s. 81, I think. Right. So he... Yossi himself um, was... Like, uh, you get this exposition at the start of the movie through Daniel Radcliffe's voiceover, I believe. Yeah. He was in the Iraqi military... No, sorry, Israeli military for three years and then decided he's going to be a backpacker, a traveller which is a big community. There are people that just, you know, travel to remote parts of the world to explore. More so, I want to say, in he the 80s. He did say he was taking one year, though. It was a gap year. Right, but at the start of the movie where he finds that British woman, they drop acid. I'm guessing peyote or something. Yeah, um, yeah. He's talking about how he never wants to go back. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I told my parents I'd be here for a year. I don't think I'm ever going back. Yeah. Because, you know, some people just... They love the adventure. Yeah, they, they, they can't do that nine to five, you know, wife, kids, white picket fence stuff. No. Which is, which is fair. Each to their own. But I, I haven't seen anything from the real Yossi that, where he claims this entire situation is his fault. I don't want to be too harsh... But I think this entire situation was his fault. He did push pretty hard to get everyone to go. Not only did he push his two friends to go on basically no information, just some dude telling him he has a map and, hey, we just got to follow a river. Yeah. So he pushes everyone to go, convinces everyone to go. Then him and Kevin decide... They want to continue, and Carl needs to take Marcus back. Yeah, this is this is like the the pivotal point for me, where it's like, okay, you you're lost in the jungle, you're about to lose your guide, the only really the only person keeping you alive, and you're just going to trek through an unknown place, one of the most hostile environments on Earth. It like, I think. That sounds pretty fucking dumb. Well, when it got to the part of them splitting up, um, Kevin also pushed pretty hard on them splitting up, um, yeah. saying that Carl has no idea what he's doing. Uh, um, Kevin also said that he spent a lot of time on rapids and in the river where he grew up, so he knows how to um, raft. And they also didn't listen very well uh, when... Carl said, hey, there's, you know, don't go into the canyon. It's, you know, too dangerous. You need to get off on this mm. beach. They mm. kind of let their guard down and 
weren't able to make it to that beach. So I, I think like the start of it, yes, the start of it, I agree. You know, he, Yossi pushed very hard, but them splitting up, I'd say the whole him getting lost was partly on Kevin as well, pushing so hard to, you know, continue on because he wants to right. be um, yeah. a photographer. Um, yeah, it's just, if they, I feel like if they didn't uh, relax whilst in the calm part of the rapids, they could have gone, oh, there's the there's the beach up ahead. Let's start, you know, going that way. The rapids are getting up. But Yossi's laying there. Kevin's looking up in the sky going, oh, yeah, cool, cool. You know, that's a nice fucking tree you got there, champ. And they get stuck on a rock and... Yeah. Yossi's Which... not fucking Olympic swimmer, apparently. Oh, apparently not. Um... I know I keep going back to Yossi's interviews, but I, I really do find them interesting. Um, one of them I watched, he was talking about this specific part where before they even got on the raft, there was so much infighting that Yossi and Kevin wanted to make their own raft, you know, have to have two rafts of two teams, but Carl didn't want that. He wanted everyone on one raft and fought for everyone to be on one raft. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't till after the raft that they they found out Carl can't swim. Ah. So that's why, like, when they give him the idea of like we can just make a raft and float down the river, he's like, he, f- yeah, honestly, um, this actor Thomas Kirchman absolutely fantastic because he pivots from from the first time he's introduced he's you know oh i'm so knowledgeable i'm i'm charismatic i i know everything there is to know about this thing i've been there a thousand times but the second they bring up the river or floating down it it it's like he turns into a 10 year old again yeah like he's he's absolutely terrified of the thought of going on water yeah, and he gets off as quick as fucking possible. Absolutely. And he then was the first one off yeah. turns around, loses his shit. It's yeah, I completely agree. Which I also want to say, unfortunately, um after they split up, that's the last time the real Carl or Mark Marcus was ever seen. Yeah. Um they didn't ever make it out of that jungle. And they're still missing to this day, which and it's believed forty years later. It's believed Carl was um, leading people into the jungle to murder them. Mm. It's believed. There's no information saying otherwise, though. But yeah, it's a very powerful fucking movie. Absolutely. What was your favorite scene? I want to know your favorite scene. I want to share mine. Oh, my favorite scene! Fucking hell! Um. My favorite scene based off the movie or the real world connotations of it? Uh, your favorite scene in the movie. Like how they, how they are, yeah, I guess dressed it up. Um, I think my favorite scene would be probably, probably have to be the parasitic worm in his forehead. Oh, fuck. That gave me the and, babies. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's only because in the movie they only show one, but the real Yossi had up to 18 in his body. Fuck. Yeah, they, um, 
it's 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 a harsh scene for one but to think of you know the real guy sitting there spending a whole day cutting 18 out of his body it was oh, <laughs> rough yeah. he he first sees it i think he's on the edge of the water he's somewhere he sees it and he touches his head and he's like great it moves thinking it's a bump yeah and then oh when he cuts it out and then he squeezes the gunk out oh that was good scene good scene very powerful scene oh yeah that's um a good uh representation of him having to come over or overcome sorry um the human body's natural instinct to not hurt itself absolutely like like i got told science you can bite through your finger like a carrot our brain just tells us don't he had to cut open you said 18 Mm -hmm. parts of his body and remove these worms and get rid of the um the gunk inside that is a strong-willed man right there absolutely my favorite scene was the one where he sees the tree and he shakes the the ants ants. oh yeah here's why for me in the movie it was the representation of it now um it kind of um shows that you know throughout it uh religion and whatnot and that religion's his big driving thing he he constantly says you know god's with us god's with us he's guiding us god's with us at that point he sees the tree it's kind of hazy he looks up and to me it was like it was representing the burning bush in um, absolutely you know fire ants bush tree he walks up to it puts his hands on it starts shaking the thing and then the ants keep biting him and each time it bites him it just gives him another rush like it it's um uh the, he uses the the pain synapses to keep going mm. and oh it was i just like the symbolic nature of that you, you know i'm not a religious person but symbolism you know and yeah it was so powerful which is such a good symbolic way of saying Yossi had his faith the entire way through, didn't give up, and that's what pushed him forward. And he's insane enough to shake a tree of fire ants. I don't think I would have been. No. no. I would have been like, oh, fire ants? Uh, no, no, thank you. Yeah, I, um, day two, yeah. I would have just curled up, <laughs> slept. You know what? I would have, I would have uh, let the panther get me. Oh, fuck, yeah. He would use um, a spray can and a lighter. An aerosol and a lighter. Oh, I no. I think it was my monitor, but I didn't see it even when he, um, like I was hearing it obviously, but yeah. I didn't see it. And, um, even when he sprayed the, um, can, I was like, I'm guessing there was a tiger there and they didn't have the budget. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, fucking, I went back to see, you know, if I did see something and yeah, that I, if I positioned myself in a certain way, I could see it. And I was like, my monitor is very yeah. dark. But yeah, I'm very, uh, thank you so much for suggesting this movie. Very much liked it. Better than uh, Highlander? Still have forgiving you for that one. <laughs> um, thank you for bringing up budget because that's a perfect segue into the budget and money made from this movie. Yeah. Now I can't we we weren't able to find the budget anywhere. Yeah. We uh, I ended up emailing the website the numbers trying to get 
full financials and they still haven't gotten back to me. So if they do by the time this is published, it'll be in the show notes. But Josh, international box office, please tell me how much this was made. One million two hundred thousand eight T seven a million bucks. One point two million. <laughs> Here we go. I was gonna One read each individual number, but I can't be fucked. Now, I think I f- I understand why we can't find the budget. So I want to say this was an indie film. Yeah. It didn't have that feel, though. No, it felt like a big budget movie. Yeah. Um, majority of the scenes in the jungle, they actually filmed in Cambodia. And would you like to guess where majority of the Rocky Mountain scenes were filmed? Nepal? Queensland. We have mountains in Queensland. We do. We do. Yeah, so this is, is it an Australian film then? Um, I, I'm not sure if it's an Australian film. Um, let, me, let, me, let me do some quick research. Can, yeah, can you just Google Arclight films? But this was... So the Rocky scenes were filmed on Mount Tambourine in Queensland. Oh, I know that mountain. <laughs> it's the first I'm hearing of it, mate. Yeah, um, I, I've only heard the name. Yeah, um, it's actually not that far away from, like, the Gold, Gold Coast. Uh, um, it's... Yeah, so just a quick research there. It is an Australian biographical survivor drama. Okay, so what, financed by Film Australia? Uh, it's got a few. So production companies is Baba Films, Cutting Edge Group, Screen Australia, and Screen Queensland were the production companies. Oh, right, so, yeah. okay. So it's all right. That's, didn't know that. It Honestly, they did a really good job of making it seem like it not necessarily a triple A, but pretty fucking close too. That's probably why we can't find the budget because it's um, like a, a a Cannes Film Festival sort of movie. Yeah, it, yes, I definitely think it has that kind of feel to it. Um, would you like to know the awards this was nominated and won for? Hit me. So the so this was nominated for best visual effects for Asia Pacific Film Festival. Nominated for Best Cinematography for Australian Academy of Cinema Television Arts. Uh, Nominee for Best Direction in a Feature Film for Australian Director Guild Awards. It won Best Cinematography from Australia Film Critics Association. Uh, Australia Screen Editors, Nominee for Best Editing. Byron Bay International Film Festival, fuck Byron Bay. (laughs) <laughs> was the uh, winner for Best Dramatic Feature. Film Critics Circle of Australia nominated it for Best Cinematography. Not a fan of Byron Bay, I say. Uh, no, no, it's a shithole. Don't go there. It's very expensive to be and live, and it's fucking worthless. All right, cool. We've got that off our chest. Um, mm-hmm. Go to Bondi so, if you like the beach. So Byron Bay has only done one thing right. This. You know, that's still questionable. <laughs> I, I I don't think this should have won Best Dramatic Feature. No? No, I I think... I think the direction was a little bit off. And what carries the film is the cinematography and Daniel Radcliffe. I found it hard to follow at the start. 
Yeah, like, it's very jumpy. Yeah, it for I felt at the start they um they it progressed very slowly and then once it did progress it was like bam now we're two days into the hike. Bam, now we're five yeah. days into the hike. Yeah. And yeah, I, they didn't show the dates all that often, so which makes sense because he didn't know the fucking dates. Um, I think it wasn't until the very last day that he gets picked up that it shows the day. And I'm mm. guessing that's because he knew the day. So why was it you picked these two movies? I wanted to explore the acting range of Daniel Radcliffe after the Harry Potter movies. Okay, I remember you mentioning it, but then I wasn't sure. Um, I just want to mention Alex Russell's. Um, he, the entire movie, I was like, where have I seen him before? What movie? Um, he's in a TV series, SWAT. Um, and it's completely different from this. It's like SWAT's action. This is like drama. I had absolutely no idea. I just wanted to give credit where credit's due that my dude can, you know, wait, I think he's actually American. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought I'd... Uh... No, he's Australian. No. Born in, born in Brisbane, Australia. No. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's, that's all right. My boy, he's, uh, <coughs> he's uh, all right. Yeah, on to, on to next or... More you want to say about this? Anything? Anything more? I there, there's a lot that I can say about this movie. I I want to I want to ask you actually a couple of questions about this movie. Hit me. So you said your favorite scene was the fire ants for the symbolism, right? Yes. How? Put yourself in Yossi's shoes. At what point in the movie? Would you turn back or give up? Um, uh, fuck, I don't know. So let's see. Probably at the at the point where my supposed guide doesn't like water, I would have just been like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad out. you said that because if we're ever in the jungle together, at least we have some sort of indication of when the fuck we should turn back. Because I was gonna say the second after that, what rapids? I was like, my my fucking guide can't swim in the Amazon. Yeah. And we're using the river as a marking point. I'm going to go back now. <laughs> yeah, no. It, so, obviously, he lied. He, well, he didn't lie. He just didn't say he couldn't swim. And they get on there and off they go. Um, and, yeah, when... when so If I was Yossi and Kevin said, Hey, he can't swim. Look at how he was acting. The fear. He doesn't know how to read the rapids. I would go, All right. Um... You're no longer my guide. You can stay here. Off I fucking go. And I would just walk myself. Um, sorry, I think we need clarification. You would go towards this hidden village or back to where you came from? Back. Yeah, back. I would go back. I'd be like, yeah, no. Nah, we traveled three days. I'm traveling three days yeah. back. Oh, no, nah, no way. Oh, I, I know I keep harping on these Yossi interviews, but there's one important part that I want to talk about. When it's raining and storming... Yeah. He talks about, like, this is the night he's going to die. Because I, I didn't realize this, but all the trees in the Amazon don't have deep roots. 
because of all the like uh the, the canopy cover there's there's no point for them to lay deep roots they're very very shallow yeah and they're massive trees so the second a storm comes through it's trees falling over left and right and by pure luck none of them landed on him whoa right think about think think Holy about the scenes shit. in this movie how many times does he sleep under a tree yeah and and not just that um a teacher told me in uh i think it was primary school that rainforests are prone to flooding because of the um shallow roots right. Um, they create like um, swimming pools. The water just hits it and then has to go around it. And if there's enough rain, it just pulls up. Yeah. So when it's raining, he's also got to deal with the floods. Which will make his and feet you actually worse. see that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm changing my favorite scene. My favorite scene is when yeah. he takes off his shoes and he's been lost for a couple of days now. He takes off his shoes, pulls off his socks, and he's got the same foot fungus Marcus was suffering. That they were complaining about and he's he's yeah. in tears just apologizing to marcus in the ether you know like uh, yeah, he yeah. still thinks once um, he gets out of here he'll be able to see marcus and apologize in person for, for me that scene was a bit too real because i've had that before uh um, to that extent i hope to, uh not that bad but i've had to peel a sock off like that you know where i can feel things coming with it i can feel skin coming with it i've had it before i've never had my foot bleeding that bad it was only like slightly but when it when that happened i was like bro i get the struggle maybe i'm not saying i was in as much pain but i get the struggle or something uh no my eczema oh shit man yeah eczema sock you know grotty kid that's fair (laughs) Yeah, you, know, you put those three things together, and you know, one day you, you're you're at school with two tight shoes. They don't breathe, and then you get home. You go to peel your sock off, and you know, only only a little bit. Like the side, uh, I bled a bit on uh, one foot. The other one, just a bit of skin, um, dry skin that was a bit wet came with it, and it, it hurt. Nowhere near as much pain as he was. I was not crying. I was going ow, ow, yeah. ow, ow, like pulling hair, but it's not pleasant. Like the sound. That it was the sound it was making is what I felt when I would peel it. I'm like, bro, no, no. Like that is just I had under mild. Like, you know how you have mild, medium, and mm-hmm. hot? He would have had Carolina Reaper. <laughs> I would I would have had pepper. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Like less than mild. Yeah. It's just no. Oh. I bitched and complained for three days. This motherfucker survived the jungle. Fucking hell. So yeah, very gross scene. the The art they, uh, the art, the the makeup they did on the feet and stuff to show the like how gross. Oh, swear to God, I saw a bone. Mm. When he was yeah. peeling it off, I was like, that is, nah, nah, fucking. Hat off. I don't wear hats, but hat off. Absolutely. Um, final thoughts, then we'll jump over to the next movie, Josh. Do you think people should watch this movie? Yes, I really do. I think um, they should show this movie in English class. 
Oh yeah, because we used to, yeah. yeah. I mean, we we watched like Rabbit Proof Fence, um, yeah, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, movies like that. But honestly, I think because I think it's also good because the this generation of children going into high school now didn't really grow up with Daniel Radcliffe in Harry Potter. So I think no. for that generation, it's you can still watch this movie without thinking, man, fucking Harry Potter really got fucked up after the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Doesn't he have a healing yeah, know, spell? Right? Couldn't he just Accio Fireball? Okay, no wonder he's lost. He's lost his glasses. Oh, he didn't have glasses, did No, he? not in this movie, no. No, I didn't. No, sorry, my bad. I was like, no, he did. No, he didn't. No. Marcus had glasses. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah. I don't think so, actually. <laughs> No, 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 Marcus did. Marcus did. Yep, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Fucking nerd. But yeah, I really do. Um, it, I agree with you with the um, English class, you know, rather than Rabbit Proof Fans. I was like, you know, I think English showed movies that had strong themes that you could talk about and yeah. um, discuss, much like we are. And that is, this is a, a good movie for it. You know, it's it's got, you know, the, the struggle. It's got the, the the implications. It's it's yeah. The moral dilemmas. Move over Romeo and Juliet. Move in jungle. Don't move into the oh jungle. God. Move in the movie jungle. All right. I know. I said that was wrapping up, but guess what? I forgot. What? What do you think this scored with critics and audience, Josh? Wait, they have this on. Um. Yeah. Rotten Potato. Yep. Oh, Ron. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. 60. 60 critics. Oh, man. So close. 62% with oh. 55 reviews. You're so close. Audience score, all right, go. All right. Let me. Let... Rapid fire, let's go. Channel, channel. channel. Uh, 69%. 59%. With 2,500 Fuck ratings. Off. I was going to say. 60 again and i was like no nah, i'll go 59 nah fuck it i liked it so much i'm going 69 no fuck me uh and imdb i'm gonna say it's got nine db right i'm gonna cut that so i can look up imdb sorry for hurting your ears all right um, I'm to be. I'm gonna say it's got five. Five on the IMDb. Five on the IMDb. Josh, you're losing your power. Come on, man. I'll give you another shot. It's not five. One more shot. That doesn't help. I went. In the, I went in the dead center. Uh, all right. Well, it's won awards, so let's go seven and a half. So close. 6.7 out of 10 with uh, 55,000 reviews. 55,000 on IMDb? Yes. Um, Fucking thingy only had like 55. <laughs> so I did pull up a rotten critic review from Rotten Tomatoes. This is Ed Potten from Times UK. This rating was a 2 out of 5. Feels more like a sequence of box-ticking perils than a genuine survival story. And the female characters, sexy traveller, sexy indigenous woman, are painfully two-dimensional. 
What the fuck? So it's a dude's true no, no, story. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The critics have spoken. This is not a genuine foot survival story, Josh. <laughs> Are we able to get that guy's address? We send Yossi to his house. No, right? Nah, nah. Fuck it. Look, I'm. I agree with the two-dimensional um, characters and whatnot, but it's told from a perspective of where he saw them. Absolutely. He didn't get to know. He didn't get to know his hallucination. It's a fucking hallucination that didn't speak his language. So of course it's two-dimensional. He didn't sit down and have a cup of tea and get to know her. And the chick I'm assuming he had relations with, that he did peyote with, yeah. he he wasn't interested in getting to know her. Well, I, th- I think... He was interested in getting into her. <laughs> I, I, I think well, I'm sorry, genuinely, Jeff. Yeah, they're two-dimensional. I think genuinely he... There, there is a little bit of relationship with that peyote chick, because um, yeah. like at the start they drop peyote, they have sex or whatever, or they, it's, it's assumed they have sex, and the next morning they're chilling out on a hammock, you know, talking about philosophy, talking about being a traveler. Like, yeah, I want to say there was a couple of days where he spent at that camp, but I'm not sure. Yeah, the movie was. The movie was very long. They couldn't have spent too much time on that. Yeah, absolutely. When when the so, entire story is, you know, him lost in a jungle, it's hard to spend time on characters that really don't impact. Don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that was for exposition and learning who Yossi yeah, is. Like, you know, he's a traveler that doesn't want to go back. He wants to keep his gap year before he becomes a doctor or a lawyer. It's, yeah, it's, nah, it's sorry, champ, yeah. <laughs> You're trying to get your paycheck. Fucking missed the point there, mate. All right, Josh. Where are we going now? I think we're going to join the KKK and uh, skip over to the... Sorry, what? What? No, what? Sorry, what? Sorry, let me take my Is my South African showing? (laughs) That's got a card. I can't put that in that. (laughs) Josh... Let's skip over to the next Daniel Radcliffe movie we're exploring today, Imperium. Yep. What's Imperium about? Yep. Um, Imperium. Uh, Nate Foster is a young, inexperienced FBI agent. When a major terrorist plot is uncovered, he must go deep cover to infiltrate the gang of white supremacists responsible. For posterity's sake, this is also based on a true story. Didn't know that. I did see the book though when he was like pulling out things to learn. Yeah, there there was. I the did book see the Imperium. book, and I was like, I thought it was one of those. Um, we've slapped our movie title on a book so you can see it. Little little like an Easter egg kind of thing. You know what I mean? Uh yeah, I absolutely do. Um, it's like I'm just looking up. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie. Um, this one didn't have me as tense, but I didn't find it at all predictable. Um, I thought it was going to go in the standard direction of this is the guy we think is bad, therefore he's bad. And I was happily surprised to find out that I'm, I'm an absolute idiot. Um, I, I enjoyed the twists and turns, the moral dilemma. I, I found a moral dilemma in it. They very um uh did a very good job on outlining the 
dilemmas with Nate, you know, having been in undercover with these people um, and being told, hey, you need to relate to these and sure, he never um, turned, but you could see that he started to see them as people because that's what they are. Absolutely. Um, and he says to them, is, um, it's towards the start, I believe, but he says um, just after a certain point, he says to them that, you know, they shouldn't be doing something. Uh, the FBI shouldn't do something because they're people too. Like, can't we just, you know, talk to them or something like that or do this certain thing rather than just arrest them and, you know, tag them as terrorists? Absolutely. And that's because that's because he got to know them as people and understand their their um sure their ideologies are radical but that's what they believe and yeah i was like wow this is i i i, I want to start off from the beginning because the the opening scene is him being a rookie fbi agent on i'm assuming one of his first busts right and they're busting busting a um terrorist plot but the whole setup is the FBI has contacted this person, given him, given them all the means to be a terrorist, and then just before arrested them before the bomb can explode, which is shown in the interview afterwards that it brings the question of, did this person actually do anything wrong? They gave yeah. him the means to do this. He asked for something, they gave it to him. And you can see the way that this actor yeah. plays this character that it's he's doing it because he thinks he can join an organization he wants to be counted. oh no yeah that's no that's the scene i'm thinking of yeah no right at the start because he says to him he he didn't do anything wrong yeah. though he hasn't done anything yeah no it's literally yeah that's the part i'm thinking yeah, of. i think the the quote is um like he goes all we have is emails of him talking about his terrorist plot and the, you know, higher up FBI goes, yeah, absolutely. Like he, we can, t we can see he was going to be a terrorist. And then Daniel Radcliffe's character re rebuts with, yeah, but talking, not actually doing, we can't arrest yeah. someone for talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't like, there's no, um, I don't know about in our country because, you know, I don't, I don't think we actually have freedom uh, of speech here. No, we don't. Um, not the same no, way. Anyway. Not, not written in stone. Um, but in America, I believe you can't be arrested for thought crime. No. So if you're posting, obviously they're going to investigate you if you're saying I'm going to blow up the White House. I'm not going to do that, by the way. Um, Please no FBI. You know, let's investigate. You. Yeah. You know they they're going to investigate if they believe what you say is you know it, let's say you're saying things out of anger and you say these radical things they're obviously going to investigate but during that investigation though they'll find out whether or not you have the means to do so do you happen to have military training all right let's dig deeper oh look he happens to know how explosives work all right we need to watch this person yeah. but you have some kid who's mad because his school um you know gave him after school detention he's like i'm gonna blow up my school then go here's a 10 year old yeah. like of course he's angry um so yeah thought crime um isn't a bad thing typing on the internet isn't a bad thing um but yeah in our country there's no freedom of speech that i got arrested for swearing at a cop wait what you did yeah i was 15 16 and i was swearing at a cop and i said we have freedom of speech he's like we certainly don't slapped some cuffs on took me home i liked imperium um 
mostly because it it uh, talks about things no one wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's this whole racial thing. It even happens here in Australia. The whole race thing just gets completely swept under the rug. You know, they go, oh, we're sorry about this, we're sorry about that, all this sort of stuff. And then it's forgotten. And we're assumed to be forgiven. And this talks about, um, sure, there's like a, um, you know, the, the plot is primarily about the terrorist uh, terrorist thing that's about to happen. But you, and it doesn't glorify, which I find um, good, but you start seeing the different types of people who have these ideologies. You have the extreme radi- uh, radicals, you know, the, the um, I don't like the word Aryan, um, the Aryan warriors, as they call themselves. You know, we, we are Aryan warriors. And then you have the guys who run your standard neo-Nazi um, religious sort of um, sect. You know, they, they wear the, the symbol and uh, the clothes, that sort of thing. And then you have the guy who has barbecues, it's lovely, nice invites people over and um you know drink his food and eat his drinks Mm. i had a stroke (laughs) you're right there bud eat his food and drink his drinks like he invites the the loving suburban dad like the, the different people and it shows that not everyone is a radical not everyone is the Aryan warrior who goes out and causes trouble because of what he believes. Some of them keep to themselves and say, hey, it's my belief. So be it. Yeah, we just don't have that enough in this day and age. Mm. This movie did come out, I believe, in 2017? Uh, 2016. 16. Yep. Jungle was 17. Yes, this was a year before Jungle. So, yeah, it's... Oh, fuck. Was 16 a harsh time? I think it was. Yeah, so 2016, um, Donald Trump was running for president. That'd be he was yeah. elected in 2017. So I think in the in the zeitgeist for the American public, the neo-Nazi movement or the you know white supremacist movement was a big talking point. Yeah, that that's why I was thinking like this. This definitely came out during a. Um, Yes, time. that's. I think that's um, very visible in the editing style for this as well. There's a lot of kind of rhetoric parts. Like there, there, there's almost a couple of scenes there where um, it's a voiceover from a previous conversation on the movie, or it's a voiceover from uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character over a slideshow of you know white supremacy propaganda yeah like um one of the guys says the guy the suburban dad we'll call him i forgot his name um he mentions that jerry uh, he says that he says that the um the white man created civilization if you don't believe it go to um some art museum and look and then it shows pictures of you know um, Napoleon and all these European settlers who came in and wiped out the natives. Mm. Now, to me, that's that's not what he says. That's just blatant white man genocide. Absolutely. But 
it it's one of those you when you dress it in a certain way, it looks good. Oh, white man, the Europeans created society. Um, I'm sorry, no, they moved their society around the world. Um, but yeah, he he. Daniel Radcliffe did a very good job essentially playing two people. Yeah. He had to play Nate playing a extremist. Yeah, absolutely. And there were some scenes in there that I was like, oh God, what's going to happen? Like um, right at the start in the, um, the diner, the guy says, oh, while I was frisking you, I noticed you're wearing a particular type of jeans that are made by the people we don't uh, like. Levi's. That's it. Um, and he's like, why would you wear those if, you know, you don't like them? And he straight up says to him, uh, well, you, you can see that he's there. Yeah, he swallows a bit and he plays the option. Yeah, he's about, he's get, about to get like caught that. out before his undercover even starts. Yeah. And then he says to him, um, these were a gift from my brother when I got back. Um, I'm not going to just, like, throw out a gift because of my ideals. And if you look at any Fortune 500, you'd be living in a cave. Yeah. I was like, you son of Which a bitch. so smooth. Talked your fucking way out of it. Because that's how these people think. Yeah. And then the guy that he was trying to link up with was like, I like it. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Um, and he does it a lot. He honestly yeah. does. Like, um, the liquor store. When they leave the liquor store after the little gathering, right? When he when he saves um, a interracial couple, pretty much. Yeah, um, and the guy's like, "Oh, you know," he starts thinking. He's like, "Oh, you, you know, you did this. You, you know, you what? What? Oh, you tried to stop me at the start, and then you set off the alarm yeah. and this, that, and then he just like, oh, so you didn't think about security cameras? You didn't think about the liquor store we just came out of? You didn't think about this? You want to be an Aryan warrior? Uh, then stay, oh, stay out of prison. I was like, oh my god. He's a very fast thinker. It's, yeah, he's got... Uh, a guy said to me, there's a thing called gift of the gab. Being able to talk your way into and out of any god. situation. And this motherfucker's How got it. fucking Australian is that? Your gift to the, the gab, mate. Fuck. Yeah. Just, ah, oh, he's so... And even when he was assumed to be caught out um, with uh, the dude in the information, he's like, hey, a phone call can only get you so far. Mm. Um, and he just says to him, he's like, hey, that dickhead knows I was in um, a WMD squad, which is Black Ops, so of course there's no paper trail, of yeah. course I don't exist. And it's like, oh, uh, I think he, he, he goes one, one little bit further with a slight jab in that um, explanation as well. He starts off by saying, so you're telling me Roy filed paperwork with a, with a oh, government yeah, that he yeah. despises. And it's yeah. like, uh, it's so turning everything on its head and it's insane. Yeah, it was oh, very good. I think good. this, this, this Just... movie, the way it's uh, written and directed... Um, I think it takes a lot of liberties with the true story, but I yeah. I actually have not seen anything about the true story. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a book that this movie's based off. The The actual FBI, former FD, FBI agent that actually did this mission uh, helped co-write the script. Oh, okay. I like yeah, when you do that. Like, um, yeah, it's, 
It's good. It's kind of like a badge of honor. Like you know that majority of what you're seeing is probably what happened. Yeah, and he's probably um, dramatized a bit, played things down, you know, to make people look better or worse than Mm, they are. mm. Um, I think one of the uh, one of the things they do very well with this movie is misdirection. So you know, he he starts by joining a small white supremacist gang that has like one or two, like one or two big people in it, and they're like essentially thugs but they're trying yeah. to get to this uh podcast i want to say or like online personality that is spout- yeah. spouting all this uh rhetoric dallas wolf here's my theory dallas wolf is a a flip on alex jones yeah i was i was thinking he's like the water's doing the freaking frogs gay you know, like yeah. it's it's very uh, later on in the movie. Even it even comes out like I don't do this because I believe in it. I I That's yeah. Like I spend. I'm an entertainer. I spout this bullshit every week, and these guys worship me like a god. It's like yeah. fucking hell. And he's like podcast. Like he's podcasting out of his mum's basement. You know, like yeah, and. She tries to pull him up on all these things, and he's he's got a thing for it. And it's like, yeah, of course my fucking house is um radioactive because I have prostate yeah. cancer. It's like, holy shit! Yeah. Like they assumed this guy, and they're wrong. And it's like at that point that it's like they have nothing. Absolutely. Like that was, uh, I did not see any of that coming. And at that point, I was like, so what? It was just one of those they lost it, like because shit happens. Like some kid find something he goes oh i'll take this it's radioactive material yep. cool i'll take it i don't care i thought it was one of those like it was telling him a, a movie about like these people and then the guy they expected it was it isn't and then it just continued mm-hmm. and i was like oh, okay cool yeah no all right. so, let's take but, this a little slower and start from the beginning so this this movie opens up with uh from from the points that actually matter uh there is a truck that has been in an accident that's carrying i think they say eight can canisters of this radioactive powder but only two of them were found on the truck so there's still six out in the wild and they uh tony collette's character believes it's a white supremacist organization while the entirety of the other fbi agents think it's muslim organization which makes sense yeah because of the uh, time. Yeah, yeah. So when these canisters go missing, the entire plot point of this movie is where are these radioactive canisters? So let's go undercover and get try and get in contact with Dallas Wolf because, you know, he seems to be the head of the snake. Well, he's a sham. But throughout this entire process, we're meeting um, Andrew Blackwell, played by Chris Sullivan, which is the, you know, one of the biggest international white supremacist leaders. We're meeting... Uh, Sam, uh, Jerry Conrad, played by Sam Tam- Tramwell. Tramel. Man, I'm butchering names left and right doing this podcast. All right, he knows yeah, who he is. I don't he know why you let me is. talk, Josh. Um, which all of these people are uh, are set up as heads of their own organizations. One very blink and you miss it explanation very early on in the movie is when they're explaining the different types of organizations. 
So, of course, you have your KKK, you have your white supremacists, you have, you know, your neo-Nazis, you have your thugs that are just, you know, looking for someone to punch. But you also have something called the leaderless resistance. These are, these are people like the Unabomber that want to start something but aren't part of an organization. So they, they go on their own and commit terrorist attacks. And I forgot about that. I forgot about that two minutes after they showed it, which coming yeah. towards the end, uh, you know, Andrew Blackwell, uh, Chris Sullivan's character is setting up an army. He's going to sleep 200 people. He's got plans for the water system, but no radioactivity. So he doesn't have the canisters, but he's definitely planning something. And you find out later on that it's, you know, the nice, you know, father with two kids and a wife and a nice picket fence with the treehouse that he's built for his kids is a literalist resistance fighter. And he's the one with the radioactive material and they're going to bomb DC and they're very happy to die for the cause, which is crazy. Something made me not suspect him was something he says to Nate uh, when they first meet. Nate's looking at the um, treehouse with his mm. kids. He comes over and he's like, oh, you're trying to steal my guest. You know, he scares his kid off. And then Nate's like, oh, this is a nice treehouse. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, do you know how to spell love? And when he said that, I was like, of course he does, you <laughs> idiot. And then he spells it T-I-M-E. I was like, oh, fuck. All right. Okay, calm down. Calm down, mister. I don't know how to spell. Um, and he explains, he's like, the time you spend with your child or you spend most of your time... Yeah, you spend like 90% of your time with your child up until the age of 12. That's where it matters. And I didn't suspect that. I figured he was just a guy with a certain ideology that has a family and, you know, he's using his position in the community to make, to bring all these people together under the same roof kind of thing. Like, rather than, than them go out and be radicals and do crazy things, how about we spread our message peacefully mm. because this was just before the rally right yeah it was wasn't it and they're like yeah let's be peaceful Let, let's you know let's uh send our message peacefully and i was like wow look at this guy he is the other side of the crazy coin and did not at all suspect him even up until the end when they were like we don't have him i like well then it's got to be the, the white supremacists that can seat 200 yeah it's it's, it's, it's got to be, be them. you know they're, they're planning a military organization they're going to war yeah and uh no, no it ends up being no, it's, jerry it, conrad yeah the dude with what two other friends in his garage yeah, the the glasses nerdy guys that are part of the religious sect that yeah. even the you know the thugs like- go ah oh, you know nate don't hang out with them they're 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 posers they're not really part of the movement i want to mention another scene that um shows nate foster's quick thinking um two actually one, where they move all the stuff to Nate's place, um, his business that he sets up, his medical business, which was set up specifically so that he can get in with the people with yep. the material. They get a thing called PPT or PTP or something mm. like that, uh, which is a very volatile, very explosive um, substance, um, but they make it up. And it smells a little bit like bleach, a little bit like chlorine, um, but it's super explosive. Right. He brings in a um, chemist. And the chemist is like, hey, I'm a tester. And Nate's last is a heart. Do you have a mass spectrometer in yeah. that bag? Because they're huge. Yeah. Um, I, I've never seen one, but I assume if it's something that sees atoms, 
it's huge. And the guy's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to light it on fire a small amount, and if it explodes, it's good. And he just loses his shit. Yeah. And he's like, oh, so what you're saying is my contacts contacts aren't good enough for you. Is that what you're saying? All right, cool. That's what you're saying. I'll take my shit. I'll go. Go fuck yourself. You can't have it because you are disrespecting me because you don't trust me. And he just starts going and he's like, all right, cool, 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 all right, cool. And then he's like, we've got to trust him. And the chemist guy's just got the shits because he can't get to do his little uh, experiment. All right, you saw a video on YouTube. You saw a video on YouTube. It takes a while before it explodes. (laughs) Fucking idiot. Um, I oh, know, and that's what made... I was like, yeah, I'm that YouTube guy. <laughs> I'm that guy that I watch, like... I changed parts on a car successfully three times by watching videos on YouTube. I, I, think, I, I think I'm a mechanic Mate, if now. YouTube's taught me anything, um, it's that I can build a house in the bumfuck middle of nowhere with nothing but, like, a sharp yeah. rock. <laughs> yeah. And 16 the fucking earth. Shout out to primitive technology. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, and then another scene is where... He goes to the house and they're like, what are you doing here? We didn't call you. He's like, I've been calling. You didn't answer. Mm. I got concerned. He goes there, finds out what they're doing. And then um, while on the phone, he, um, he gets told, you know, they're going in their guns blazing. He's like, no, no, no. There's women and children here. No, no, it's explosive. Don't do that. And they're like, we're doing it regardless. He's, and they're like, you have, I think they gave him three minutes or something seconds. like that. 60 seconds to disarm them um, so that they can come in and not fire everywhere. Mm. So. He goes out and he's looking around. He's like, fuck, you know, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So he grabs some washing powder, sprinkles it around and sprinkles it on the floor, knocks the um, canister over and goes, ah, shit, it's spilled. And they're fumbling for the... um, Protective Fucking... Yeah, the suits. And what's his name? Jerry? Yeah, that's the main guy. Um, Jerry looks, sees a trail, sees the canister's not open, and starts going, no, 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 you, you. And he's just like awestruck and then starts, you know, proceeding to beat him up mm. and whatnot. Which, if you're using your fist, it means you don't have a gun in your hand. So I think he was okay with that. And then next thing um, you know, the fucking garage door goes up and there's like 40 dudes with fucking guns. Fucking earth. FBI show up and I just dead like, on time. And then they're arresting everyone. It's like, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. It's me. <laughs> please, please don't arrest me. But yeah, I like, he just... Like you said before, he's a quick thinker and very much liked that about Nate yes. Foster. And coming back to the start, um, the start and end to me have like this nice little uh, happy ending, I, I, I want to call mm. it. He is seen as this new guy who's treated meanly. Um, and you see it, you know, these guys throw something at him and say, we have an emergency meeting in the conference room. And then um, I believe it's Tony Collette comes up, touches his shoulder and he's like, oh, will you guys yeah, leave yeah. me? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So he's constantly getting ridiculed. And then at the end, you know, he finishes up the job. He comes back to his desk and it says emergency meeting um, in the conference room. And you can see that, oh, it's business as usual. Okay. They still don't respect yeah. me. No, they threw a party. Yeah, a big surprise party for him for a massive bust. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. And you, you can yeah, see good. the three like higher ups of the FBI, like shaking his hand, like saying thank you and all yeah. that crap. And it's like, he's actually finally respected for the position all right josh tell me how much money this made um i'm both i'm shocked um it only made i'm gonna round up here three hundred and fifty thousand. not a lot not a lot and imperium couldn't buy a house in sydney for that much that's like fuck all it didn't make a lot and like i said before we can't find budgets for these but yeah 
again, I think this was a film festival shit. movie, so it was probably filmed over the span of a couple of years. I dug deep into my research to find a budget for this. I went to the second page okay, of Google. I went to the second page <laughs> of Google, and I did contemplate the third, but I was like, no. no. I must not tread where no man has tread before. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so not a a, no awards for this either, which I think is criminal. I think this still had a very good directing style, very, very good acting. Yeah. And again, the, the, yes. this entire double feature that I, I wanted to set up was to prove Daniel Radcliffe is more than just Harry Potter. Yeah, no, it was a very good movie. He's more than just the child actor. Absolutely. You know, he, like, we, we grew up watching Harry Potter. Okay, I, I watched every movie, every time they came out at the cinema, I practically grew up. Mm, I just went back and finished all with... the books. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I believe you mentioned it's that, fantastic. yeah. Audio book, yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening yeah. to him while I was at work. audio book. But, yeah, we, we grew up with him, and um, we discussed this a little bit yesterday. It's hard for some child actors to get out of those roles. You know, you look at them, and you're like, they're, for, they're typecast. You know, so he's forever this type of character. He just played two different characters in these two movies. Absolutely. He has range. He, he He's also done a few other movies, like Horns, I believe it was called. Is, yes, is a very that's fun a movie. very good movie too. I, I was actually debating whether or not putting Horns instead of Imperium. It's funny you bring that up. Yeah. But I ultimately went with Imperium because I thought it showed more of his acting ability. Um, yeah, no, it does. It, it very much does. I find Horns um, tells a similar story to Jungle. Like a guy in turmoil trying to find something and he's blamed for stuff. It's like another tense emotional sort of thing, whereas yeah. this is a different type of tense. Yes, this is edgy to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, and a bit more real. Imperium is a bit more real. Mm. Like for us, not necessarily us in um, in Australia, but we saw a lot of these things on the news and you know they were like oh this this um kettle boils over it could affect us and it's like yeah Absolutely. yeah but like hopefully Look, it doesn't um, i i actually want to talk about how well i'm i'm 26 now we'll get when old. i was yeah I mean, you're older than me mate but <laughs> just as as reference i'm 26 when I was 21, uh, I was living with a girlfriend at the time. We were walking around the block, just, you know, taking the dogs for a walk. And up until that point, I I didn't really believe neo-Nazism was in Sydney, which is dumb, a dumb thought. Like, I, I, I genuinely thought that's an American problem. And we were walking around the block and there's this guy that we can see, like he's working in his yard, he's cutting a door or, you know, doing some timber work. We're waving to him, oh yeah man, how are you going? It's a lovely day out, blah blah blah. And we walk past his garage and I like I turn my head, look in his garage, and he's got a f like a wall-sized uh Nazi flag with German artillery, kind of like a mini museum. It was it was insane to think at the time that that it was on the same block I was living on. It, look, I don't blame you for not um, knowing because even I, for a long time, was like, "Yeah, there's no way it's in our part of Sydney." Okay, now I know it's an American problem, yeah. you know, like yeah, um, like I thought we had them here because I had met a few mm. um, of you know the neo-Nazi type people and some uh, white supremacist people, 
um you meet a lot of people in hospitality and so i was like yeah no they they definitely are in australia they're just not as prevalent but the reason why i didn't think they were in our area of sydney until like i had absolutely no idea this is the first i'm hearing of anyone in our area of sydney like, yeah this was you know lagonda fuck but yeah it was right right next door the reason why i didn't is because we have too many lads and the Ashes. Yeah, plus we're, we're very British-inspired. Neo-Nazis are against anyone who's not, I hate this word, Aryan. You know, white, blonde hair, not necessarily. Blue eyes, not necessarily, but white. We yeah. are littered with multiculturalism here. We're, yeah, we're one of the most multicultural countries yeah. on Earth. Uh, we've got Cabramatta, okay? Cabramatta is a very oh, heavy yeah. Asian... Um, area. You go to Cabramatta, yeah. you get the best. You get the best Asian foods. I mean, th- think Haymarket in Sydney. Yeah, like it's. I fucking love being able to walk down the street and walk through Chinatown, which is one of the most stunningly beautiful places in Sydney. I think. Yeah. No. It's it's. And the, there's the Buddhist temple in the middle of it as well, which is fantastic. Chinese Garden of Friendship. Fucking beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But yeah, it's so multicultural. Like, you have to be to live in this country. Like, I get mad when I hear my immigrant grandparents say slightly racist things. Yeah, it kind of shits me too. Again, my, my nan, God rest her soul, was South African. She, she lived through apartheid and was on the better side of apartheid. She didn't th- stop thinking like that when she moved to Australia. Yeah, so she... she uh, Very hard to have that in my life. She looked at people differently than we do uh absolutely yeah um, look i don't fault people for being products of their time and in this movie some of those people just are they're raised by people with the same ideologies and you see that with the kids you really do the kids yeah the, yeah. the rhetoric the brainwashing yeah it's and strong. they're just a product of their upbringing and some people are a product of their time yeah you know, like i said my, my grandparents sure they're british um but they still, they're still immigrants and they still weren't accepted in Australia when they first came because of their thick accents. Upsets me that some people can't change, but it also it's, makes me happy it's... that we as a society are slowly. Yeah, I think this is another movie that they need to show in English class. I agree. Because it's got those, um, those tense talking points, like... Um, my year eight teacher was very big on showing movies, um, and he would often say words he shouldn't be saying when reading a book. Yeah, like it's it's one of those movies that you know I I know for a fact my year eight teacher would say, all right, we're watching Imperial because it has talking points. We are going to talk about it. We are going to be unfiltered. We are going to get it out of our system, and we are going to talk about whether or not we agree or disagree with this. And we need to. We need to talk about the things in this movie i agree absolutely let's talk about some more fun things right yeah give me give me, give me. Let's, let's talk about the logistics the logistics what do you think the critics rated this um 74 further and further away man 85 percent. i was like 11 that's not far yeah i mean compi- mate the last one was like five off all right okay Come on, redeem it. yourself, audience score. Go, rapid fire. Let's I don't go. know, fucking 30. Fucking hell, 64% with 5,000 plus ratings. This was a very well-received yeah. movie, and I think it's criminal how much money it made, you know? 
I think it's what you said. I think it was like a um a film festival kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um so I do have one rotten review here. A two out of four from Kate Taylor, Globe and Mail. Yeah. So top critic for Rotten Tomatoes. As the baddies get nicer, or at least quieter, the plot slackens. Ruggedness plods his way through a transparent three-act structure towards a less than thrilling denouement. Yeah, the the plot kind of did stagnate. I think the whole baddies get nicer thing is unwarranted because they don't. They don't change. Yeah, the baddies no, do not change in this. I don't think they change, but I think we just start seeing them differently. Less of yeah. Less of like I said before, less of them being bad people, just a product of their upbringing or their beliefs, you know, and an understanding. They're still fucking Absolutely. human. You know, one of the guys yeah. gets hit in the head, and he's like, "Oh, you know, thank you so much for saving my life. Thank you. Oh, so grateful for you." And he just has a skew beliefs. He's still a good guy. As record as the guy, um, I think it was Zangief, says in Wreck It Ralph. Just because Jesus. I'm a bad guy doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. That's staying in, by the way. It's it's true though. Like just because they have askew beliefs and yeah. semi-terrorists doesn't mean they're monsters. And no, I, I I don't agree on that part where you know, they get nicer. We just start seeing them as humans. But it, I do think it starts to say stagnant, and it does have this simple three act. Yeah, it does. Most Absolutely. movies do. So why are you complaining about it? I bet you gave fucking Marvel movies an amazing. They literally have three acts. All right, what was your favorite scene in Imperium, Josh? Because I've got mine. Go with yours. What's yours? I just want to make sure we don't. Have to I, 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 okay, okay. So when they're when Tony Collette's character and uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character are making the fake uh, TPAP. Yeah, I think it is. Um, they're mixing like bleach, like bleach powder, washing powder, and salt together. Did you realize the salt she's using is kosher salt? No. Oh shit! It's 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 got Star of David on it. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Which I thought was a really funny, subtle fuck you. <laughs> um, my favorite scene is when they're in the diner and he first meets them, and he gets the pat yeah. down. And they're like, oh, what can you bring to the organization? He's like, security. Yours is lacking. He's like, I think we're doing very good. And he's like, really? With only you two packing? And uh, you chose this booth, the furthest from the door? So when shit hits the fan, we're dead. But yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was a very, very good scene. Torment. What's the word? Antagonize. Antagonize the guy with the gun. I think that ends this episode, Josh. That's the end of this episode? We've talked about... I think it is. We've talked about two very, very good movies that we both recommend. I'm very glad I got you to sit down and watch these. Yeah, no, I am too. I'm, I'm glad you know you haven't disappointed. Well, you haven't disappointed me as much recently. Hey, the last couple of episodes have been good. No, the man. last couple have been good, but I'm still mad at you. Okay, you want to tell everyone what we're going to be watching next week? Next week we're going rom coms. Um, payback for making me watch Highlander. Um, so we're watching, so one of them was recommended by my wife, always be my maybe. Okay. Mm, I've seen it. Yeah. It's actually funny. Um, and it's got Keanu Reeves in it and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Now forgetting Sarah Marshall is the, the correlation is they are awkward romantic. Like they have an awkward character in them. Oh, I hate awkward cringy yeah. shit. So yeah, it's all right. Okay. So for, always be my maybe and forgetting Sarah Marshall. 
I hate you, Josh. Look, after this, okay, after, after this one, we're, we're back on it. I'm putting some horror ones on the list. Do it. We're doing horror. Do My next choice, we're going to do two horror. All right. A good... Fuck yeah. Going to get you scared. Thank you for tuning in to What Makes the Cut.